Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. I'm very excited about this episode today, uh, partly because our guest is amazing uh, and partly because the program that we're going to be talking about is a fairly new program from a nonprofit organization I highly respect. They're called EcoRise. You can check out their website at ecorise.org, and we're going to talk more and more about them. But our guest today is Gamal Sharif, and he is a longtime professional educator. He's got both a master's in education from Temple University, and he's got a master's of science um, in educational leadership from Penn. And so uh, he's got a wide breadth of experience as a teacher, a curriculum developer, and a principal. And he's recently joined EcoRise as the program manager for a program that helps high school teachers and high school students earn a very interesting accreditation that we're going to be talking about. Many of you may be familiar with the U.S. Green Building Council, sort of the entry-level accreditation that a person can earn is Green Associate. Gamal has that uh, accreditation, and it's also something that they're helping high school students earn. And I am just thrilled to be able to have Gamal on the show and to talk about this program. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Gamal. I'm so happy that you're on with us today. Thank you, Jill. It was nice meeting you a couple of months ago, and I'm glad that we're together today. Same here, same here. And you know, it's funny, I've been on on the air for over 11 years, and very rarely do I actually get to meet my guests. But it was fun spending that day with you, and I hope that we'll see you again soon. That was, that was great. So before we launch into a discussion about the LEAD prep program that you're running for EcoRise, I want to give you a chance to talk about the organization. Tell us about EcoRise's mission and the work that you all do. Well, thank you. Uh, EcoRise is about 11 years old, and we're a nonprofit based in Austin, Texas, but we work with teachers and students across the United States and internationally. Um, our big hubs are in Massachusetts, New York, D.C., Austin, um, and we're growing in Philadelphia and Miami. So um, our primary uh, function is to support teachers through professional development or professional learning workshops. Um, and. Our, our mission is to make sure that we can support teachers um, as they cultivate the next generation of green leaders. So students through uh, K through 12 um, work with our curriculum and our projects through their teachers and develop a sense of how to um, become stewards of a more green, more robust um, planet. And... Um, we really like the work because uh, it's so important that students learn about you know, what could be a more green and um, thriving uh, world that they can live in and the steps that they can take to make changes in their personal behavior, um, the way that they use buildings and materials from the world, and maybe perhaps um, careers or the way that they advocate for a more sustainable world. I love that. And, you know, one of the things that is so important about what you said is exposing them to green careers at an early age. It's not uncommon at all. I was this way when I was in high school to really not know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew what my aptitudes were. I knew which subjects in school I did well in. But, you know, 
unless you have the opportunity to shadow a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of different jobs, it's really hard to know um, what you want to do. And so helping students discover green careers at every educational level is just a fantastic, fantastic benefit of the work that you guys do. So I want to talk about this program, this LEAD Green Associate Prep Program. And for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the LEAD Green Associate credential, talk to us about what it means for a person to earn it? In what ways might it be advantageous to have lead green associate on your resume? Okay. Um, we have a program called uh, the Green Building Program, and it really focuses on helping teachers and their students um, understand the relationship between a building or the built environment and the natural environment. Our wonderful, comfortable homes, our, our schools, the, the commercial buildings, the studios that we broadcast from are all made of materials that come from all over the world. And the way that we use those materials have a big impact on the experiences of people, the way that we impact the planet, and how we prosper as a people on the planet, whether we're in the northern hemisphere or the southern hemisphere, no matter where we are, we're all interconnected. So uh, the lead prep curriculum is part of our green building program. And that's specifically um, connected to some of the work that the U.S. Green Building Council or USGBC uh, has been working with for the last uh, 10, 15 years. So when we, when we build, we want to build in a way that we, we design with intention um, the energy, with the way we use energy in the building and um, how it impacts the environment. So LEAD is leadership in uh, environmental and energy design. Uh, sorry, it's energy and environmental design. So... Um, when our students attend their schools, um, they have a great opportunity to, to learn more about how energy and water and transportation are all interrelated and how it affects people's quality of life. You know, when I was in high school, like you, I really wasn't sure about what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to go into forestry because I enjoyed nature. And forestry is a fantastic um, uh, career uh, trajectory. Um, had I known more about the, the, the green building principles and sustainability, I would have understood a lot more about all the different types of jobs from construction to energy monitoring to maintenance to even green cleaning, um, carpentry, uh, HVAC installation. Everything is really um, touches upon the, the green or sustainability framework. So the lead green associate is a credential that people can acquire um, once they've studied for um, the Lead Green Associate exam, which is administered through the USGBC and their partners. Um, Eagle Rise saw an opportunity to support um, the curriculum in the high school level. So we actually work with um, environmental science teachers or students from career and technical education, and we're learning there are other other opportunities to uh, develop the curriculum and work with people age 16 to 24 who might want to learn about these kinds of careers. Well, uh, one thing you said is, you know, how, why would that be a, a good credential on mm -hmm. a, a resume? So you're 17 or 18 years old, yet you're a busy student. You have a, you know, you have a busy life, but you might be working. You have some family responsibilities. You have your own hobbies. Why would you want to acquire a lead green associate credential? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it turns out that there are a lot of um, 
there are a lot of jobs that are going to be opening up in the next um, five, ten years. Uh, earlier today, I looked at a, some statistics from the Department of Labor, and solar and photovoltaic are big areas for growth. So when we can use solar energy um, or photovoltaic energy to conserve energy use, we're going to need people to install that, um, maintain it, um, and use, uh, explain how to use it to all kinds of customers. So that's one reason why the Lee Green Associate indicates that you might be able to handle those kinds of responsibilities. Um, people who enter the green building um, jobs, uh, specifically in solar or photovoltaic, on average, whether it's a high school diploma or a bachelor's degree, start anywhere between 40000 and 85000 a year. So there, there is a demand for these kinds of jobs. And the question is, do we have the people who know how to do that? The Lead Green Associate credential tells potential employers that you have a foundation in sustainability and that you understand a variety of um, aspects of green building, whether it's the materials that you use, the transportation of those materials to your site, the experience of people in the building so that they can flourish and do well, um, electricity, HVAC, water, uh, greenscaping, all of it. Um, that's what the Lee Green Associate indicates to uh, potential employers. Absolutely. Now, how did EcoRise get involved in developing a lead prep program? What kinds of partnerships did you all need to have in place in order to launch this program? Well, you know, it, it really comes from the heart. Um, our founder, Gina Lamott, really worked with some, uh, some uh, Kizzy Hannibal and a few others to really su um, support students as they learn about people, planet, and prosperity. And as the organization grew, we realized that we need to have more partners to really roll out this exciting curriculum because um, people in schools can use this K-12 um, in general, our sustainability curriculum, and in particular the the lead the lead prep curriculum, um, so that they can have more stewardship of what our building policies look like. Um, we realize that we need to work with universities, so right now we're working with the University University of Texas School of Architecture, um, and we're also working with Brandeis University to evaluate our programs. And um, we also work with municipalities like the city of Austin, um, school districts like Boston Public Schools, and, of course, specific schools like um, Madison Park Technical School in, in Massachusetts. The U.S. Green Building Council has been a very big partner in the rollout and des design and rollout of LEED Prep. So one of the nice things about LEED Prep is um, that it requires uh, – integrated processes. It, it requires multiple stakeholders getting involved with designing buildings, designing communities. So we've grown into this. We have multiple partners, um, and it's really good to see, you know, the, the amount of work it takes to sustain those relationships is really important, but that's the only way we're going to see any kind of transformation. So we're really happy with, with who, we, who the relationship we've, we've developed and who we've been working with. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a couple of things that stand out to me about the way EcoRise as an organization collaborates. Um, you know, you're in a space where historically there was a lot of competition, but 
you know, in the last few years, and your your founder, Gina, is tremendous at this, realizing that no one organization can do everything that all schools, you know, need. And so if we have some highly specialized organizations that work together well and integrate well, um, then our schools and hence our students win. And I also think that some of the partnerships that you all have developed and cultivated speak to the credibility of not just your organization, but of the program as well. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have much more to talk about with Gamal. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. And if you have just now tuned in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Gamal Sharif. He's with a, an organization that I just love. They're called EcoRise, and you can check them out on their website at ecorise.org. And today we're talking about the program that Gamal is running for the organization. It's a lead prep 
course that helps high school teachers and high school students get ready to take the exam through the U.S. Green Building Council to earn their lead green associate credential. And so I, I you know, in the last segment, Gamal, we were talking about the emphasis that EcoRise places on professional development, working with teachers. Um, and I want you to talk to us about the professional development component of your LEAD prep program. Tell us how it works. Tell us who's involved. Give us the rundown. Okay, great. Well, the most important thing for teachers um, is that they have a sense of stewardship of their own professional learning. And Hopefully, that translates to what they're cultivating or um, developing with their own students. So when we run professional development uh, with EcoRise, we like to do our best to model um, highly effective professional development. That means that there are some clear goals that we've collaboratively um, identified, that we work together to modify the goals as we're moving towards the um, the end of a workshop or a series of workshops, and that we can apply what we're learning in our environment. So um, the Green Building Program specifically has some um, principles and structures that are replicated throughout uh, EcoRise and when we work with teachers in different contexts. But some of the things that stand out for the Green Building is um, a three- or four-day summer institute called the Greed Building Institute, and uh, we also do um, um, professional development workshops during the school year, uh, either in a school with teachers or a group of teachers that are working together, or regionally at a conference or some other kind of district-sponsored event. And of course, um, we really support our teachers. One of the things that makes EcoRise and, and the Green Building Program uh, a little bit different is our ability to work directly with teachers. There are other curriculum providers uh, with McGraw-Hill, which have their own um, niche in terms of providing resources, but we really like the balance of the curriculum matched with professional development throughout the year. And one exciting thing about what we do is we work with a variety of teachers who are really enthusiastic about sustainability, and we invite them into our ambassador program so that they can work with us during one of our institutes, develop their professional development and communication skills, and then uh, work with their colleagues in their building or their district or attend conferences and be advocates for a variety of strategies that really help engage uh, students with sustainability education. Um, this, the way that we do professional development really connects back to the, what we were talking about earlier with, with um, partnerships. And we understand that uh, teachers have so much to negotiate, and we want, them to see, we want to help them see themselves as leaders who are professionals within um, education, who are able to uh, have stewardship of what we're learning, how we learn as adults and children, how we know that we're learning in terms of assessment, and the policies that affect um, what we experience in our schools. So sustainability education and green building in general for schools has got to include those four elements, curriculum, instruction, assessment, and policy. I love it. That, I, I, the way that you all approach this program and all of the programs that you run, it's just so well-crafted, so well-thought-out. Um, it's so trustworthy, in a word. That's the best word I can think of. You know, the lead <laughs> prep program that, that you 
you all have developed consists of 42 lessons, and we won't be able to talk about all of them, but I do want to talk about the seven modules that the lessons are grouped into. And so I'd love to talk about the first module. It's called um, Introduction to Sustainability and Building Design. What are some of the things that students learn about in that module? Uh, well, thank you. No, that that's a really important part of our curriculum because it's the on-ramp to sustainability. So when we're working with teachers of carpentry or HVAC or environmental science teachers um, or even social studies teachers who are interested in urban design or rural planning, there's got to be a way for the students to understand the principles of sustainability. So that particular uh, module um, emphasizes some of the uh, larger principles of sustainability in terms of um, the relationship between um, transportation and carbon emissions mm. or feedback loops, for example. If we want to understand that we want our, our homes to be comfortable, warm in the winter or cool in the summer, that there's an impact on the environment. So the introduction is really designed to um, help teachers understand the variety of stakeholders involved in any kind of building, whether it's a commercial home, I'm sorry, a residential uh, home or a commercial business or something like that. And we, we have to convene those people together so that they can understand um, what some of the environmental impacts are. So this connects back to people, planet, and prosperity, the triple bottom line. We, we know that we have to take care of people we have to take care of the planet, and we certainly need to prosper. Mm -hmm. um, we, we get those three things going well together, then our students have an understanding of the triple bottom line and the relationship between that, uh, what, we, uh, uh, sorry, the relationship between the choices we make as individuals and its impact on the environment and how we can overall prosper. Mm -hmm. There's some connection here to um, the next generation science standards in terms of the enduring understandings, and we want teachers to walk away with a map of what the um, really important principles are about sustainability, because not every student is going to want to or should have to take the Lee Green Associate exam, although that's a really nice outcome. We want our students to understand climate stability, we want them to understand equity, and we want them to uh, have a variety of, of, of professional skills that they can take with them in their life. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I love in the, the introduction, the way that systems are introduced, because oftentimes, you know, when we just look at science curriculum, we look at standalone systems, the water system, you know, uh, the transportation system, the energy systems that are around us and how they work. But in the real world, especially when we're talking about planning and when we're talking about impact, you have to look at how those systems are integrated. And so um, I think it's so exciting to introduce those concepts to high school students. Um, and, and one of the things that's been so difficult, you know, up to now is that there were no adults around students who knew that. <laughs> so they couldn't teach what they didn't know. And so I like the way that you guys introduced that. Now, module two is entitled Location, Transportation, and Sustainable Sites. What are some of the things that students will learn about in that module? Well, one nice thing, uh, 
one nice thing about module two is that it really connects to the first module in terms of introduction to sustainability. So we wrap up the introduction by having the students um, design a downtown and, pl- and do some role-playing for different stakeholders, whether it's um, traffic and transportation or business and commerce or municipal services like schools and hotels, recreation, um, and housing. So when we get to Module 2, they have a foundation in what that could look like in terms of stakeholders working together, and they actually start studying smart growth. So the way that we design our communities and where we live have got to conserve energy and water and promote wellness. So some of the specific things that they focus on is um, brownfield and understanding their history and how they might be remediated. Mm-hmm. They also work on greenscaping as a way to capture carbon and manage water and the benefits of mixed land use. So if, uh, if they're working on regional planning or they're designing a, uh, resident, uh, sorry, a commercial uh, shopping mall, there might be a way for them to make sure that um, – there are people can get around easily, that the, the parking lots actually don't channel too much water into waste, that they can capture and use the water in gardens. Mm-hmm. One of the nice things that we did um, during a summer institute uh, back in August was we took a tour of a um, strip mall that was right near our training facility, and teachers were able to use some of the smart growth principles in terms of ease of use, conservation of energy, meeting the needs of the people, um, that would use the area to critique and redesign the strip mall. So that's what, why location and transportation are very important. We want sites that can be enrich the lives of people and also conserve energy and water. And what's brilliant about that is that you are allowing teachers who will subsequently allow students to look at the world around them in a completely different way, Um, to have enough knowledge to look at something like a strip mall and say, hmm, you know, next time this comes up at a city council meeting when we're talking about zoning and planning, um, I have some input. I have something to say, and I love that. Let's talk a little bit about Module 3, water efficiency. I mean, I know you're out on the East Coast, and so there are water issues that are particular to your region. I'm out in California. We're thirsty. Uh, So talk to us a little bit about what the students will be learning in that module. Well, it turns out that um, about 1% of the water on the planet is available for, for drinking. So we have to be very careful with how we use that water. And there's a lot of waste right now. Um, I just came across a statistic, you know, between corn, soybeans, hemp, and lawns, lawns turn out to be one of the highest uses of clean drinking water. So I I like a green lawn myself. It's kind of pretty, but I have to figure out other ways to um, greenscape residential and commercial areas so that we're not wasting so much water. What students really focus on here is the difference between, between clean, gray, and black water. And those are um, terms that would apply to how they actually design buildings for the LEED Green Associate exam. So one, one thing that's pretty fun about the um, water efficiency unit is that students can use uh, computer-aided um, design CAD software, such as Revit, to... Um, design buildings that actually 
reuse some of the gray water, which is the water like when you go to the um, sink and you're washing some dishes, if it's just some food particles and some soap, that's considered gray water that can be used to perhaps water a lawn or it can be used to flush a toilet. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really, um, we can use technology to um, improve the quality of life and conserve the water. Absolutely. And I love the way that you said that too. And I, I hate to interrupt. We have to take just a quick commercial break, but we'll pick that right up when we come back. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, Decide that you have something to say and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Right before we went to commercial break, we were talking with Gamal about the um, the water efficiency module in the lead prep program that EcoRise um, has developed and is now uh, working to expand throughout the country. And I, I'm so sorry, Gamal, I had to cut you off there so we could take a quick commercial break. But I wanted you to go ahead and finish your thought and talk to us about what students will learn from Module 3 in your program on water efficiency. Well, I, I thank you. I, I, it's, the water efficiency is so exciting because it connects to different areas, to energy, food, transportation. It's all connected, and that's a recurring theme that the more I, I dig into this, the more I see that. What we, one of the things that we do with uh, the water efficiency uh, module is we invite students to develop solutions, technical or um, 
biomimetic solutions um, to help conserve water. One of the things that um, uh, we, we model for students is hydroponics, um, because if you are able to build and um, uh, food um, or, or, or agricultural um, systems indoors, you can get food a lot closer to the people who need it. So even when there's an issue like a food desert, um, green building and the connection to hydroponics gets food closer to the people who really need it. And you conserve water because it, the water is not evaporating. So this is kind of exciting because um, everything about the way that this, this curriculum is designed is to promote inquiry and help students innovate, which we're going to touch upon later. I, I hope we get a chance to talk about that. But we, there are all kinds of challenges and solutions. So the lead prep curriculum is a framework for better understanding how we can improve the quality of lives of people by using innovative solutions, whether it's technologies or old school um, practices that can really help us live a better life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these solutions do not require a huge amount of investment. And that's one of the things that I think is so important, as you mentioned, um, bringing some of these solutions into food deserts. You and I were um, working with some high school students when we met out in uh, in Chester, Pennsylvania, who are who have the same vision, you know, to to grow healthy food in in a food desert. And you know, the, the technology and the solutions that they're looking for are innovative, but not outrageously expensive, which is exactly the kind of solutions that will be meaningful um, to communities in that predicament and in that stressor, um, you know, because it's, it will actually enable them to, to see those solutions through to fruition. Now, the next module of your lead prep course is called Energy and the Atmosphere. And I'd love for you to touch on what the students will be learning in that module. Right. Uh, the Energy and Atmosphere um, focuses on some challenges that we face when we live our lives. Um, we have a high, relatively high uh, standard of living, especially for middle class or wealthier in the United States. So things like climate change or acid rain or ozone depletion are all connected to the way that we use energy and its impact on the atmosphere. So what students focus on here is one of the, one of the most powerful ways to influence the way we use energy and reduce carbon use, for example, is human behavior. So when students are designing lead buildings or green buildings in general, um, they can design um, energy, uh, energy monitoring mechanisms that help um, the people in the building better understand how the energy is being used. So the first thing that students do is an energy audit, and they can walk around their building, for example, and look at the way that heating and cooling is used. Um, they can look at things like uh, electricity for lighting and even um, refrigerators or projectors or phone charging stations, that, that kind of multimedia, multi-technology multi use of, of electricity. So they get to map out the building and the different ways that energy is used. And from there, they can um, do baseline comparisons and then select parts of the building to make modifications on in terms of overall temperature or the, um, the um, quality of air by doing air monitoring so that they understand that if they can actually 
have the uh, people modify their behavior, turn off electricity or, or lights or other um, utilities that are not being used, that they can over, uh, over change the overall energy profile of the building. And when mm-hmm. students do this and schools or buildings start seeing savings of money, that's also another impetus for people to get on the green train. Um, so it's really exciting because the, the students see that they have a direct impact on the way that we use energy and the quality of the atmosphere um, that's impacted by energy use. Absolutely. And, you know, so many students are being very vocal about their concerns about climate change, which I love to see. And they, you know, they really want to to make substantive changes in the world around them. And reducing energy consumption is one of the top ways that we can bring down greenhouse gas emissions. And and this is so empowering. This particular module, I think, um, is something that can really help students have a tangible way to say, because I worked on this, you know, part of our energy, you know, plan with the uh, the built environment around me, I helped, I, and I was responsible for bringing down our greenhouse gas emissions by this much. That's all something that can be measured, even if, you know, they're using the Energy Star Portfolio Manager to track their building's energy use and they're able to see reductions. They can also see reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. And so um, they can actually feel accomplished in having an impact on the climate change, you know, contributions of their community. And so I love that that module. You, you're, the next module that you have is called Materials and Resources. And I'm interested in learning more about what students learn in that module. Well, the Materials and Resources is uh really a study of the, the life cycle of a building. So everything from, I mean, when you, when you move into a home or you occupy a, a building uh, for commercial or um, just business purposes, there's the assumption that the building was just there. But, but students really dig into what the, the whole life cycle in terms of the construction phase um, how the building is used and maintained, which has a demand on the resources, and the end-of-life uh, portion of the building. So there is a difference between um, a linear um, cycle of use of materials, which is a lot of extraction, um, and this module really focuses on a closed loop so that materials can be extracted once and then recycled um, and used over and over again. So whether it's new development or renovation or adaptive reuse, the students are studying the life cycle of the building. One of the teachers that I'm working with in Washington, D.C., recognized a local problem, uh, which became an opportunity because the students understood the issue of homelessness. And there happens to be a, a, a graveyard of sorts of old shipping containers that are no longer being used on, on ships or trains. And he and his students decided to acquire one of those uh, shipping containers and study it as a building block for, a, for homes. So mm. that's a fantastic example of renovation or adaptive reuse of an incredible material that meets a real, a real, pers- a real uh, people's needs. So um, that when you can re- when you can reduce the, the amount of materials that are being used, or you can meet people's needs locally, um, students are acquiring the the values and understanding the principles 
of materials and resources and acquiring lead credits. Mm -hmm. So that really ties into the lead green associate exam. You better believe it. In module six, you talk about something that is so vitally important, indoor environmental quality. And, And I'm amazed at even the most affluent school districts who still are not taking care of the indoor air quality in, in which their students are expected to learn and their teachers are expected to teach. Um, talk to us about what students will learn in Module 6. Well, that is really the wellness, uh, another avenue to wellness within LEED um, prep curriculum and in the LEED building standards in general. Um, you know, a lot of people... Um, actually work in sick buildings, and students Mm -hmm. need to understand the difference between sick and healthy buildings. But when we subject our children or our child care providers or anybody in buildings that are not healthy for them, um, in terms of the air quality, there can be a real impact on their health. And it turns out that over 4 million people have died because of uh, indoor air quality in terms of asthma or heart heart conditions, um, and that's mostly for low income or people who are in poverty. Um, so since uh, 2012, four million people have died, mm. and there is a very different statistic for wealthy people or people who come from wealthy countries. It's 19,000, so it's not like anyone's free from this. But it's very stark. So this gets into a social justice issue and an equity issue. Why is it that we say that people who are lower income are, it's okay for them to be subjected to indoor air quality that is not good for them? Why are we doing that to people? And why are we doing that? It's just inappropriate and not acceptable. Um, and I will be less passionate about that. But so the wellness is a big part of this. Um, and uh, students can can begin to work with submetering, which is a way to break up the building to understand what's happening with moisture mm-hmm. and humidity because that's a, a, a starting point for um, mold and asthma. They're also looking at the way that we use green uh, green cleaning products, which can affect um, students' experiences, um, whether uh, you know for their own health and, and asthma. So um, students begin to understand the difference between a sick and a healthy building, which we might take for, for granted in some cases, and make specific recommendations about how we can transform the indoor lighting and atmosphere and green cleaning products so that buildings uh, are not off-gassing or causing problems for people. Mm-hmm. I love that. And finally, in Module 7, uh, that's entitled Innovation and Design Process. What are some of the things that students will learn in that module? Well, you know, the thing there is, uh, is the innovation portion. Um, and these lead green, green building principles are regionally specific, so they're flexible. What we might experience in a, a hot and humid climate, such as perhaps Florida, would be very different from what we might experience in a desert, which could be hot and dry. So um, designers, builders have to select materials that are going to, one, Meet the needs of the local community. You want to get them involved. People, planet, prosperity. Get them involved. What are their needs locally? And we want to innovate based on what we know about green building. Two, what is the regional 
climate priority because that changes from region to region around the planet and around, in this case, around the United States. Um, so students uh, get to um, study what what and, and and study the regional priority templates that lead designers would use, and um, come up with recommendations for how to study a different environment and, and, and identify that. materials that That's they can fantastic. use. That's fantastic. And talk about place-based learning. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> We're going to take a quick yeah. commercial. But when we come back, we'll have much more with Kamal. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. All round the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you've all tuned in with us today. Uh, we've been talking with Gamal Sharif, who's with an organization I just love, EcoRise. You can check out their website at ecorise.org. We've been talking about the program that Gamal is heading up. It's called Lead Prep, but EcoRise has so many other tremendous programs, and you can find those um, on their website if you check out the the tab that's called what we do that's where you can find all the various programs that they have for schools to get involved with and i love them um so back to the lead prep program gamal i know that you all are looking to expand the program i'd love for you to talk to us about your organization's goals for this program in the next 12 to 24 months are there specific types of schools are certain geographic locations that you're focusing on tell us more about your expansion uh plans uh, thank you, Jill. Uh, the expansion plan is really based on the relationships. We want to work with 
teachers primarily who are interested. And we have to have administrative support, whether it's a principal or the director of a program or a district. So we found a lot of traction in Massachusetts and Austin and D.C. Um, we have a few people who are interested in New York. And there are a smattering of teachers across the country who are also interested. So we will go wherever we're needed and wherever we're welcome and wherever we can have the partnerships um, uh, support the, the, the program. What we're really excited about um, in terms of growth in the next 12 to 24 months is our um, Green Building Internship Program. And this is new for us. We're piloting the program this year in Austin, Texas, with the University of Texas School of Architecture and the city of Austin and the uh, Austin Independent School District. Students have the opportunity, of course, to study lead prep in their schools. What if the students could have internships with building uh, design and architectural firms uh, or even municipal offices where they can learn more about sustainability and get firsthand exposure to the kinds of careers that are related to sustainability in general? So it's not just green building. It's um, energy monitoring, maintenance, installation, green, gle- uh, green cleaning products. It's just a wonderful wide range of um, opportunities, and we want to get students having the experience. The second uh, priority, which is just as important as, as getting the kids into the field, is this, the issue of diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. So we want to make sure that some of the, 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 the people who are underrepresented in green building in general are getting more experience in the field, and that's essentially women and, and people of color. So um, we want to make sure that they have the opportunity, and we have some really good partners who are with us right now. Um, BLGY Architecture Firm in Austin is great, and we're building those relationships with the National Organization for Minority Architects and other organizations who really want to work with us and have more people be stewards of green building careers. I love that. I love that. Now, you know, we all know that teachers are very pressed for time. Their instructional minutes are precious commodities. And so it's tough sometimes to bring in new programs and curriculum. What do you say to educators who might be concerned about integrating the LEAD prep program into their existing curriculum plans? Well, one of the best things I learned is that you can define success um, basically on what your criteria are. If you want your students to understand the importance of making smart choices around the triple bottom line, people, planet, prosperity, then you win. If you spend the whole year doing that and they are able to apply the triple bottom line to their math classes or social studies um, or science or career and technical education, that's the win. On another level, if students are working together um, cooperatively to identify problems or opportunities and then design solutions, they're using our design model that we think that's also common in other programs around the country. Um, so that's another win. There are so many ways to win. And the most important thing is that teachers need to have the sustainable working conditions. Teachers need to be able to integrate and modify uh, curriculum. All of our curriculum in EcoRise is designed to do just that, encourage teachers to be creative, to model that creativity um, for their students and promote student learning that is driven by the students. That's the win. A third win, 
is nice. It's very nice to have the Lee Green Associate credential. It's it's a wonderful thing, but there are so many different ways to win within the Ecorise curricula and Lead Prep in particular. Love it. And now, if our listeners want to bring the Lead Prep program to their school, or they want to recommend that you know their school or school district take a look at this, what steps should they take today to to explore how to bring that to their region? I, I thank you. I think they should go to um, ecorise.org and look for lead prep or do a search for that or just contact me directly. Can I give my email address? A hundred percent. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, it's gamal at ecorise.org. That's G as in good, A M as in Mary, A L at ecorise.org. And I'll provide a one page synopsis. And I'd love to hear from your listeners. Uh, and of course, they can go to our website to get more information. We do have free lessons that are examples of the, the kinds of work that we do. And we can provide those so people can get a better sense. But it's really about a conversation. What do you need? And how can we support you? Love it. Now, Gamal, I mentioned this during the opening segment, and some of our listeners may have tuned in a little bit later, but you know, you were a, a professional educator for 25 years. You were a science teacher. You were a curriculum director. You were a principal in schools across the U.S. Based on all your experience as an educator and knowing what you know about the green building industry, what do you think K through 12 schools could or should do to prepare students for 21st century jobs? Well, I think we need a systemic response. I think every school should have a sustainability officer or officers. The districts um, should also have a sustainability office that coordinates the, the rich range of programs that everything from finance to operations, to maintenance, to curriculum and um, help students have, more experiences in the field. I think we need to be able to take the wonderful principles of biology or chemistry, which I've taught in the past, and apply them to industrial or community solutions. So it's no longer a matter of just memorizing atomic structure, which I just happen to love, but what is it about (laughs) the chemicals in our environment and how does that affect people? So I think we need to be able to apply everything that we're learning to I would recommend the UN's Sustainable Development Goals. How can social studies, math, um, technology, engineering, sciences, social sciences apply to improving the quality of life for everyone now without compromising the needs of future generations? We need to reframe uh, what we're looking at and why we're doing education in general. Mm-hmm. I love it. Gamal, it, was, it has been such a pleasure having you on Go Green Radio today. And thank you to you and thank you to the whole team at EcoRise for all the great work that you do. Folks, we're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.